Welcome to Season 3 of Theology for the People. My name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. The goal of this podcast is to bring theological discussions to you in a way that is engaging, encouraging, instructive, and helpful. In today's episode, I speak with Kurt Fuller. Kurt is on staff with me at Whitefields Church, and he was the editor of my first book, The God I Won't Believe In, Facing Nine Common Barriers to Embracing Christianity. That book came out almost a year ago. It's available on Amazon and on my website, nickkady.org. And in today's episode, Kurt and I give an update about some other projects that we have been working on, one that just was published, and we talk about our process of writing and publishing together. After our discussion, make sure to listen for a preview of the audiobook as well. Here's the episode. Welcome to Theology for the People. I am joined today by Kurt Fuller. Kurt is on staff with us here at Whitefields, and he's a man of many talents, so let's talk to him. Hey, Kurt, good to have you. Hey, Nick, good to be here. So, Kurt, you have been on the podcast before about one year ago. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, and what we were talking about that time was the publication of a book that yep. since then came out. I, what, it was published like... It was in mid-February, I yeah, think. Yeah, and year. it was called The God I Won't Believe In, Facing Nine Common Barriers to Embracing Christianity. And since it came out, and there was a, there's a lot of interest in it. I mean, yeah. we've sold a couple thousand copies, you know. Yeah, we keep running out in the bookstore. Yeah, it's been really good. and And in fact, I think we've sold more than I expected to sell. And I'm excited by that. And I think actually we're going to continue selling them because of a few other things that are going on. So what I wanted to do for our listeners right now is just give them an update. Like, where are we at with writing and publishing? What's What to look for in the near future and what we've been up to? Right. Sound so, good? Sounds like a plan. All right. So what's the next thing on the docket that's going to be coming out? So the very next thing is the audiobook version of The God I Won't Believe In. And it has taken as these things do, longer than we expected, but yep. we should be targeting February 1st to get that out into everybody's hands. It'll be on Audible, and I think it came out pretty well. So, I mean, Yeah, and so it'll be on Audible, and that's after February 1st, 2023. So if you're correct. listening to this after February 1st, 2023, which, by the way, I think I scheduled this already to publish after February 1st. So if you're listening <laughs> to this and it's after February 1st, 2023, just go to Audible, and you can download it there. And so for people, I've talked to a lot of people over the last year who asked me, is there an audio version? And I said, not yet, but there will be. So now this is time, you know, maybe podcast listeners are also audiobook listeners. I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised, actually. I I almost exclusively listen to audiobooks these days because it's so convenient in your car. It's I even go to sleep to audiobooks. I don't know why. It's just, it's e easier for me. But then it, you don't have to be 100% focused mm. on the thing in your hand to right. be able to absorb the information. Yeah. Some people aren't audio files, but I just find it it's super convenient for me. Yeah. No, for me too. Like running, yep. driving, same thing. Now, I'm not a runner, so that didn't occur to me, but I yeah. can see that. Well, one of the, one of the things that uh, people ask me a lot when I start talking about the audiobook is they ask me, did you read it? Meaning, did I read it? And I told them, I tell them the same thing every time I say, no, originally I planned that I was going to. And I talked to you 
And you said, okay, well, read this thing. So I read it, and then you told me, yeah, so I think we should hire somebody to do this who's not you. It is really hard to be fair. I have found that most people struggle. It's an art form. I mean, seriously, reading out loud is an art form that most people haven't spent nearly enough time. Even if you have kids, you know, and I think that's kind of where a lot of this developed for me, or at least the interest in it, is I used to read this stuff to my kids, and eventually I'd love to do fiction and audio and all sorts of stuff. But it's an art form, and you can tell if someone's reading from a script. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's one thing to give, like, you're super awesome at taking your notes and turning them into an extemporaneous sermon. It, it, it almost sounds, it, you're just engaging with it in the moment, and and it never comes out the same way twice, mm-hmm. right? Right. You can't do that with an audiobook. Sure. And so that's that's where we, you know, just trying to think through the logistics of what it would take to produce that. And the second thing I noticed, you really don't have a lot of time. Okay, it, true. Yeah. It is it probably takes just to record an audiobook probably takes five or six times the length of the book. Yeah, wow. Just to get it recorded. Wow. Right. And then you've got editing and all that sort of stuff. So once we did that first pass, no no intended slight on your skills. You are an awesome public speaker. <laughs> But I was just like, this is not going to get done quickly. Okay, yeah. And you know what? I have listened to a few audiobooks that were read by the author mm-hmm. where I've had that same thought. Like, right. they should have just hired somebody. Yeah. Like, this guy, is, this is not good. I've actually yeah. heard a few where, I, in fact, I'm actually listening to one right now. <laughs> and I won't tell everybody what it is. And you know the difference. You can tell oh, the I difference. I totally tell the difference. And what's interesting, you can also tell that there is a, a way that people read books, like mm-hmm. if they're professionals. That, you know, like you said, it's a performance and it's, there's, there's an art form to it. So, so who is reading the book, Kurt? <laughs> well, what a segue. Actually, I'm reading the book because it just, uh, well, when you, when you know an audiobook producer, uh, that seems yeah. to fit right there. I really enjoyed doing the book and um, getting there. It did take longer than, than we expected. Ironically, with the construction and renovation we've got going on here, it's really hard to record in in a it is with hammers and saws and 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 people putting air conditioning units on the roof. It finding a time when it was quiet around here to be able to record the book was was a little challenging. But I love your studio. You have uh, so guys. <laughs> Kurt built a studio in his office, which is what what's it made of? <laughs> it's a it, it does look a little low rent. I'm not not gonna lie. It's made of rock wool with burlap covered panels, and then just you know. One by it does look like from the outside, like a place where maybe a couple possums live. Yeah, it, it kind of <laughs> does. Yeah, and and the yellow tape doesn't help. Right. You know? <laughs> so, but it does get the job done when people aren't walking on the roof. Right. Okay. Cool. Okay. So the audiobook, February first, twenty twenty three. If you're listening to this after that, it's available. Just yep. go get it on Audible. And what's next for the for the for our writing? endeavors. I have heard you talk about many things. I think there may even be some translation projects of your book oh, in yeah. the works. Oh yeah, thank you. Yeah, for, I wasn't I that wasn't on my mind right now, but I'm glad you brought it up. So we have a friend translating it into Spanish right. as we speak. And we met with him last week. Yep, and we have someone actively translating it into Hungarian, which will be great for the 15 people in the world who speak <laughs> Hungarian. Yeah, and uh and 
So these are print copies. We're not talking about right, audio we're here. Talking about print. Maybe in the but, future yeah. with the Spanish particularly. But uh, yeah, so getting print copies in Spanish and in Hungarian and quite possibly into Russian and or and or Ukrainian. Right. Um, we, you would I would think you would have enough contacts to do that. I do. Yeah, and I think that there's a desire for it sure. amongst the people I know over there. And so we'll see if it gets translated into other languages as well. What was cool about these is that these people approached us. We weren't right. like, someone please read our book in Spanish. This right. person, friend of ours, Jonathan, yeah. who's from our church, now is leading a ministry at another church, but he's from Colombia and just said, I loved it. I just want other people to read it in Spanish. And so I'm translating it. So Yeah, that was great. And then he came and asked us a bunch of questions about how he should translate certain phrases. And I don't know if we were a lot of help. <laughs> I think ultimately we were. But whenever you translate from especially a language like English, which is very imprecise, yeah. and each word can have multiple meanings, into languages where they have specific words for specific things, it, it's always there's always going to be questions. Yeah. But I'm glad that he's handling it and i'm sure that he's going to do a great yeah, job i was i was super happy with the questions he came forward with because they're like oh this is just gonna yeah you know, all i have to do is pick from a b or c all right so we got audiobook february 1st 2023 spanish translation hungarian translation i expect those to be available and done by the end of 2023 yeah i would hope so yeah and then we're also working on another project which is to create a study guide for the book for small groups and right. for youth groups. And that's something which almost immediately as we were creating it, I was like, you know, this would be really a cool curriculum like, right. to go through. And so what we did to create that is that we created it not just like, you know, sitting in a room thinking what kind of mm. questions would people ask. We actually wanted to test it out. Yeah. So what I did is that I worked with our youth group here at Whitefields to create something which we presented to their youth group and used over the course of nine weeks. And so we had a week on each issue and it was really interesting getting to actually present the material, have people engage with it. And I think that this is going to be a really useful curriculum for people. So, I mean, how could you imagine people using it in the future? Well, actually something just occurred to me because I happen to know what you did in the middle of that pilot program where you were going to be gone for a couple of weeks and we recorded some little audio versions of you presenting the material, right? So I can I can envision a world where we work that in somewhere, mm -hmm. right? Where we have, you know, audio companions or video companion kind of thing too. But the the nice thing about having presented it to youth and collected the feedback and the questions of actual youth with the material is that they aren't shy. Right. <laughs> and they're going to ask really pretty pointed questions about a lot of this. And I think a lot of their friends are struggling with a lot of these questions. I know my sons, you know, there's when you especially when you touch on the aspects of sexuality in the book, right, and, and identity and things like that. Uh, my kids are like right in the thick of it. They know all of their friends are struggling in this area, right? So I think we have a lot of insightful questions and topics and you know, especially using it for youth groups, I think that's a great place to start. Like I said, they're they're in it. They're they can't avoid these questions, right? They have to deal with them in some way. And if they don't have a framework for dealing with it, and and even maybe a framework for dealing with the accusations that you're just, you know, repeating what you've been told, or you know, if you don't have a thought, if you haven't thoughtfully 
wrestled with these questions, it's going to be really hard for you to have those, those mm -hmm. conversations with the people that matter to you. And so I, I can definitely see it being used in youth groups. And frankly, I used to, having been in the world of software programming, you know, I have met hundreds of engineers, software engineers, corporate salespeople, all these. And there are times when you can have these discussions with, with people at work, with people mm -hmm. around you, right? And, and I think they're at once light enough to engage a workplace and, and heavy enough to take you really, really deep if someone's willing to go there. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think, you know, okay, so some people would say, well, I'm not like a big reader. I heard sure. a lot of people tell me that. And I said, well, great. Yeah. Go over it for nine weeks. You right. only have to read one chapter at a time. Right. Watch a five to 10 minute presentation and then work through the questions. Right. And, you know, a lot of our youth maybe who would have said, oh, well, you know, I don't read books. Well, you didn't have to. Yeah. Well, you did read a book. It just, right. you did it in a group setting and, and mm -hmm. every week there's something. And you mentioned people doing it at work. You know, there's a wonderful lady at our church named Tracy. She owns a company mm -hmm. and she has employees. Sure. And, and this is one of the ways prior to this being developed where she told me, well, I took your book and I went through it with my employees, anybody who wanted to join. It was like an optional thing. Sure. And that was one of the things that got me thinking about that this would be great as a curriculum right. to help do that. And so I would just put this out there for anybody who's listening. If you are looking for a small group curriculum, right? this is a good one that you, it's scalable, yep. you know? And the other thing is a good youth group curriculum. If you're like, well, what should we do with our youth? You know, these are questions that came about through the life of our church, real questions that real people asked. And by presenting them to youth, I mean, these are, as you mentioned, they're questions that all the kids were dealing with. And I think that's true for adults too. I, th I think it's kind of across the board. Right. It's just that with the with the youth, they are in a position where they've almost never known a world where a lot of these questions weren't at the core and forefront of the social commentary of their time. True. For people as old as me, like, I never talked about this stuff growing up, mm -hmm. you know? I, I mean, so there is a generational shift that's happened, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's what that makes it particularly relevant to the youth. But the other thing I see is that with the audiobook coming out, right? That kind of takes the I'm not a reader off the table. There you go. That's true. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, man, some of these questions, I remember kind of presenting them to the kids and or the youth. And just, you know, like when I tell the story about this guy that I met at this wedding. Right who tells me about the hypocrisy he saw in Christians. Right. And then asks me, you know, people like you, meaning Christians, don't like people like me who are gay. I mean, right. the kids in the in the youth group were just like, yeah, that's literally what people say to me at lunch, right? Like, yep. how do I respond to that? Yeah. Yeah, and that's, like I said, they don't have the choice but to live right in that spot. And I think... Anything we can do to prepare people of any of any age, but but particularly the young people, for being able to have those conversations in a non-threatening, non-judgmental way, so that you can actually have a conversation instead of a series, a serial accusation session. Sure, sure. <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, so it's a good way to get equipped yourself, or to equip other people, or maybe you just want to go through it and say, okay. Maybe, you know, 
in this book, they give some answers to these questions that I haven't heard before and right. be interesting to go through. So yeah, we just recommend that to you. So when can we expect to see that study guide coming out? I, I expect by the end of the year is, is a good thing to say. Hopefully, you know, we can bring that out sooner, but yeah. Yeah. I think so too. I, I think we've got a lot of the content and like you said, I love the video companion idea. That's been a part of this discussion as well. So I would just tell our listeners, stay tuned right. for that to come out and hopefully sooner than later. Yeah, exactly. And then there is another project that is at the beginning stages, and that is a new book, new content. Yes. And so I'll talk about that for a minute, and then we can talk about you know when to expect that. Although that's, like we said, that's things- awesome. I might learn something. Things here. seem to take longer <laughs> than you initially think, right? Always. Yeah. Always. So the, the next book I wanted to do- was one kind of like playing off the idea of the God I won't believe in mm -hmm. and thinking about this phrase that's found in the Gospel of John, chapter 20, where it says there that G John says at the end of his talking about Jesus, where he says, Jesus did many other things that are not talked about, that I haven't written down. If I wrote down everything he did, it wouldn't, there wouldn't be enough books in the world to fill it right. up, right? But then he says, but I've written these things so that you may believe. And by believing, have life in his name. And so I love that phrase, so that you may believe. Right. We did a series on this topic. In fact, we did two series. Originally, it was going to be one. But as I was studying, I was like, there's a whole other series here. Right. I remember that. Yeah. And so the first one was we looked at the I am statements that Jesus made. So kind of like right. one friend of mine put it this way. He did a series similar to this. And he called it Jesus in his own words, which I love that. Yeah. That's such a good, yeah, uh, that's great. good title. So Jesus in his own words, like, who does Jesus say that he is? And either he is or he's not, right? right. But here's who he says he is. Right. And there's also, of course, that phrase, I am, which is such a, mm -hmm. you know, packed with meaning from the Old Testament and the idea of Yahweh and the ever-present one. So we'll talk about that in the book. Then we'll look at those, so those seven I am statements that Jesus made. But more than that, actually... The seven I am statements are really not how the Gospel of John is structured. They're really structured more around Jesus' miracles, which John's Gospel uniquely calls signs. Right. And so what we'll do in the book is we'll look at it. Some people say there are seven signs. Other people say there are as many as nine. But there are between seven and nine signs. Right. And we'll talk about those signs and what those signs point to. I was going to say, you never make a sign unless you have a reason for its existence, right? So that it's not like I just thought, woke up, hey, we need a sign here, right? <laughs> the so, sign points to something. Exactly. And if it doesn't, that's kind of yeah. odd, right? So yeah, so what does the sign show us? What does it point to? And clearly John says that these signs point to why you should believe in Jesus. And so I want to create a resource like that. And you know what? One of the reasons I thought that this would be a good book is because when I was doing that that series, actually both series, mm -hmm. I found one book on each of those topics that was worth anything. Like, and they, wow. I will have to say, they weren't exceptional. Right. So I thought, really, what? Why not? Right. Like, well, if there's if there's a void, right? Yeah. Uh, of resources, especially. And so I think we can put these two things into one volume. And just say, okay, here is what the Gospel of John says is the reasons why you should believe in Jesus. And so we'll give this as like an, another resource to people who say, you know, why should I believe in Jesus? What evidence is there, et cetera? We can say, take this book, give it some thought, 
and hopefully it can help you. And then other people, maybe maybe there will be people who are wanting a community group guide or a youth mm-hmm. group curriculum. I was going to say behind that is, you know, another study guide I sense. Yeah. And, and I think it could be just helpful. I, sure. I remember hearing somebody say this once about content creation. He said, if you create content that is interesting, you'll have a, you'll have an audience. But if you create content that's helpful, you'll always have an audience. And right. I thought, what, what a great framework for thinking about creating things. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and the thing about creating content that's helpful, it has staying power, mm. right? Because you, you never know when, you know, it could be five years from now and somebody comes across this material and is helped by it because it is useful for living our lives, right? And dealing with that. So, Yeah. So I'd love to see that book come out by the end of 2023. Sounds like again, a busy 2023. Again, I don't know if it'll happen, but I do have, I have most of the content sure. created. It's a matter of formatting and then making it readable. Right. It's a totally different medium that you're communicating in. But yeah, just our listeners, thanks for listening to this and kind of put some of those dates on your mental calendar pencil them in if you will and look for those things but like i said the audiobook should be available right now yeah by the time you're hearing this yeah yeah cool hey thanks so much kurt thanks for having me nick word on the street how can i know that god really exists i know the bible says that god exists but the bible was written by people a long time ago who didn't have the kind of knowledge we do For them, the whole world was mysterious. Since they didn't understand science or how the world works, their best explanation was to say, well, there must be some invisible God out there who controls everything. We now understand physics and chemistry and biology. We can explain why things happen. Haven't we outgrown the need to believe in God? In our online poll, we received responses with several variations on this theme, all saying in some way that there is no proof that God exists. If God would just reveal himself to me, show up, speak to me, then I would believe. If God were real, we'd have proof, undeniable scientific proof that he exists. The idea that if God were real, he would demonstrate himself in clear, tangible, observable ways is clearly on our modern minds. So, let's start there. Science and Christianity. Opposites? A lot of people today think that Christianity is anti-scientific, that Christians just believe what they've been told or what they've been brainwashed into thinking. In some people's minds, Christians have a reputation for plugging their ears and covering their eyes when anyone talks about science. But is that really true? The evidence shows the opposite. There is actual evidence for the existence of God, and there are many highly intelligent people who have carefully examined that evidence, concluding not only that God exists, but also that the Bible, and Jesus Christ specifically, is worthy of their personal trust and faith. For some examples, let's consider several statements from famous scientists. Professor Alvin Platinga, considered by some to be the greatest living philosopher, is a theist and a Christian. He explains that modern science, rather than being at odds with the Christian faith, was actually conceived, born, and flourished in the matrix of Christian theism. Platinga is just one of many scholars who have pointed out that modern science developed out of Christian theology because of its belief in an all-powerful, personal God who created and sustains a complex but ordered universe, 
which can be observed and known through experimentation. Joseph H. Taylor, Jr., who received the Nobel Prize in 1993 for the discovery of the first known binary pulsar, is also a devout Christian. He stated that a scientific discovery is also a religious discovery. There is no conflict between science and religion. Our knowledge of God is made larger with every discovery we make about the world. Albert Einstein famously said, The more I study science, the more I believe in God. Now we know from history and his writings that Albert Einstein was not a Christian, but he did believe in God, and he attributed his belief in God to his study of science. Most Christians aren't surprised by statements like these, primarily because the Bible encourages us to study the natural world. We can and should learn about who God is by studying the world he made. Many non-Christians, though, hold the assumption, called the secularization hypothesis, that as the world becomes more educated and more scientific, religious beliefs will decline. Fortunately, the scientific method itself tells us that hypotheses are upheld or disproven through experimentation and observation. If the secularization hypothesis is true, and science and education really do result in religious decline, we should be able to measure it and document it, right? Interestingly, however, that is not what we see happening. The data tells us just the opposite. No one would claim that scientific thought and education are declining in our modern world. In fact, scientific pursuit motivates many studies on this topic every year. Recent studies on religious beliefs around the world show that atheism, the belief that there is no God, has declined in the past 50 years and is on pace to decline in the coming decades. While atheism is in global decline, religious faiths are increasing. Today, 22% of the world's population is atheist, agnostic, or generally non-religious. If current trends continue, then by 2050 that number will decrease to 17%. Thanks for listening to this episode of Theology for the People. If there's ever a topic that you'd like to learn more about or hear about on the show, there's a section on my website where you can submit questions and suggest topics for me to cover. That can be found at nickkady.org. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done so yet. That way, when new episodes are posted, they'll be delivered right to your podcast app. My plan is to post new episodes every week this spring, so I hope you'll stay tuned for that. Next week's episode is with my friend Benjamin Morrison. Ben has been a missionary in Ukraine for 20 years. He's the pastor of a church in a city in central Ukraine. And since the war began about one year ago, Ben has remained in Ukraine. He is providing aid and support both physically and spiritually for people there. And he's going to share his perspective on things in Ukraine as a pastor. So you won't want to miss that. If you would like to support this podcast, the best way you can do that is by leaving a written review on the Apple Podcast app. That really helps boost this show in the ratings. So if you would do that, I would greatly appreciate it. Thanks for listening. And until next time, God bless you.